Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. All right, my name is Lita, and good morning to you guys. I am one of the pastors here on staff, actually newly named associate pastor, so thank you guys very much. I've got to say, I love the church. I love church. I grew up in church myself. I love all kinds of church. I remember the, one of the first times I was at church, pastor was like, pray with your neighbor. And I was like, but my neighbor doesn't come to this church. That was a joke, it's alright, you can, you, can, you can laugh if you want, I'm here all week, don't worry about it. I especially love the black church, I love the black church. You know, one time, it's, it's, it, the thing is though, uh, I was at one black church and it, it seemed like there was something stuck in the preacher's throat. Um, because at the end of every sentence kept acting like he was trying to get it out, like, he was like, you know, the Lord said, ha, act like you, ha, somebody get some water to that guy, (laughs) and I love the charismatic church, I actually grew up in a charismatic church, and um, you know, it wasn't until later when I was looking back about my journey, I was like, man, that was a violent place. I went up to the altar, they have a guest speaker preaching, he'd be like, in the name of Jesus, and uh, push me over and stuff. And, you know, I would have had a problem with it, except there was like a whole team of people right behind me, waiting to catch me, you know, ready to catch me. And then, when he pushed me over, I fell, and then they put a blanket over me. I'm like, all right, nap time. This is cool. I like this church. Despite all this funny business, you've got to love your church. You've got to love church. And I pray that today we would be reminded of why the church exists. The church is the only organization in the world that does not exist for itself. It exists for others. And so we're going to look at this passage, John chapter 4. It's going to be on the screen. Go ahead and throw it up there. John chapter 4, verse 5 and 10. I'm going to ask Evan, one of our wonderful youth, to read it for us. Everyone give him a big hand for Evan over here. Test one. Okay, we're good. Um, good morning, family. My name is Evan White, and I will be reading First uh, John chapter 4, verse 5. So he came to the town of Samaria called Shazar, near the field that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So was Jesus, where he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Sumerian woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, 
ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews had no dealings with the Samarians. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me drink, you would have, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now pause right there. We're going to skip the conversation they have. Because so far what has happened is he's showed up and he's talking to this woman. And we're going to skip their conversation because that's not exactly what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at what happens after the conversation. So go ahead and turn the next slide up. We're going to look at verses 27 to 42. It's after their conversation. And Evan's going to continue reading. Just then, Jesus, just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking to a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or, why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me here and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored. You have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I had ever did. So when the Samarians came to him, they asked him to stay with him. He stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of, the, because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you, you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed this is the Savior of the world. Amen. Thank you, Evan. Go and have a seat. Good job. Let's pray. Father God, we submit this uh, entire time to you as we continue our worship. As Pastor Tracy uh, has led us into your presence, we pray that your presence would increase in this room right now that we would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that the words on the pages of these books would come alive, that they would turn into the actions of our hands and the thoughts of our hearts. We pray right now that you would speak to us and create in us a new heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This this morning's sermon is called Tell Your Town... To come and see. Go ahead and say that to your neighbor. Tell your town to come and see. And I have five observations for you 
from this text, and uh, it's kind of heavy today. Normally, I don't use slides. Actually, the first time in four years, I, I'm using slides today, so uh, isn't that fancy? So, tell your town to come and see is going to be broken down into five observations I got for you guys, and we're going to just walk through this passage together. That was a big chunk we just looked at. We're going to break it down. Don't worry. The first observation I have is in verse 9. It starts with Jesus breaking barriers to love the Samaritan woman. Verse 9 and 10 says that the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with them. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying, Do you give me drink? You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So to give you a little history, and a lot of you know this already, the Samaritans were kind of like mixed-breed people. You know, they were a little bit Jewish blood, some Babylonian blood, and from centuries earlier, just mixed blood. And they were known as unclean, and Jesus uh, doesn't care about that, even though all the rules of that day said, don't mess with them. You'll be unclean like them. Then secondly, Jesus breaks another rule about rabbis. Because as a rabbi, you weren't supposed to talk to a woman. The rabbinical rule back in the day was clear. It said, let no one talk with a woman in the street. None, not even his own wife. Jesus ignores that, doesn't care. Talks to the woman, broke all the barriers. And in the same way, God breaks all the barriers and comes and loves us. It was in our sin that Christ died for us, Romans tells us. In our very sin that Christ came to this earth and died so we can have a relationship with him. So the first observation I have of telling your town to come and see is you got to see for yourself. Is you got to see this Jesus for yourself because he came out, he came to this town as Jesus did, came to this town, talked to this woman, broke through all the barriers. God did the same for you and me. We have to have a personal relationship with God first. Second observation the woman told her town to come and see. You've got to understand this. See, what happened was Jesus talked to this woman, and that set off a chain reaction. Because once he talked to her and broke all the barriers, then she was like, all right, I'm going to go back to my town, and I'm going to tell them what just happened. It says in verse 28, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come and see a man. Who told me all that I ever did? Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. It was her invitation that spurred their movement. And it's your invitation to your coworkers and your family and your friends that will spur their movement to God. Where is the place that people can come and see? It's the church. It's the body of Christ. It's us right here. It's not just this building. It's the people of God where we commune with one another, where we worship God, where we learn who we truly are in Christ. And the question I have is, have we reached as many people as we could to come and see, to come and see this gathering? Or when we wake up, we just think about us. Let me get to my church. Or are we actually thinking about how many people can I bring out of my town to come and see? You know, I was... uh, on AIM long, a while back. I mean, I don't think that's still around. You guys remember AOL, instant messaging? Anyone, anyone on that? You got a message, right? And, and I had a burning desire to tell everyone I knew about God. So I had 150 friends on my list, and I actually, uh, I, I, I would 
chat every single one of them. And I wouldn't be like a jerk, like, ah, you're going to hell and all that. Like, you know, just wondering, like, what do you think about God? And if they were closed, okay, I'm not going to force it. You're closed, you're closed. But if you're open, okay, let's have a conversation. And over time, I actually broke my list of 150 people in three buckets. The first one was people that said no. And I said, okay, I'm going to keep praying for them. And the second list was people that were somewhat interested. So then I would, every now and then, you know, every couple months, hey, how you doing? Just wondering, you follow up on the conversation. And then the, the third, bucket, third bucket was people that really wanted to know and have a conversation. I mean, that was like a small, small list. But still, every single one of those people on that list, I had such a burning desire to talk to them. And, and here's the truth is, most people today, they come to church or they get to know God because somebody invited them. That's the survey. Survey, survey says, statistics show. Go ahead and raise your hand real quick for me. If you came to church because somebody invited you first, raise your hand. Now, keep your hands up, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Now, go ahead, look around, look around the room, look around the room. The majority of people that are going to come to know Jesus is because somebody simply said, come and see. Some just said, hey, come to church with me. That's just a simple fact, right? It's not through fancy programming. It's not through a giant event. It's not through ads on the radio or a giant billboard of pastor's face on the side of the road. It's somebody saying, hey, come check out my church. Very simple. And uh, just a side note to all my parents in the house with teens, I know you're not exactly telling your, your teen. Uh, come and see if, when you tell your teen that is more like get in the car. It's a little different. I understand. Um, I want to encourage you guys. Because I know it could be tough because they're kicking and screaming and they don't want to be here and all that good stuff. So I want to encourage you guys because now it's the norm for teens to miss church because of sports, school, academic stuff, project stuff. They're tired. They want to sleep in, whatever. And I know that's the norm. And I just want to encourage you guys as parents to just fight that, to continue to fight the good fight of faith. I'm begging you to posture your family in such a way where they can be receiving the word of God on a regular basis. Where God's spirit has an opportunity to move in and through them. So keep fighting their coaches. Keep fighting those schedules. Keep fighting their tiredness. Okay, parents? I, I, I think that as long as you're calling the shots, call it for Jesus. So the first thing we see is Jesus broke barriers to love the Samaritan. That set off a chain reaction. What happened was the woman ran to her town. Everybody, check out what happened. This dude is crazy. woman told her town to come and see, and now they're all showing up. Everybody's showing up. What's next? Third observation I had for you guys is Jesus starts teaching his disciples on food and harvest. In verse 33, it says this, So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Everybody say, lift up your eyes. And see that the fields are white for harvest. Jesus is teaching his disciples, my food is, is to do the will of him who sent me. 
Jesus intensely cares about the will of God. He intensely cares and, and likens it to like eating food. And the will of God, we know in 1 Timothy, it says that he desires all to be saved. All to be saved. He intensely cares about saving people's souls. He intensely cares and he parallels it to one of the strongest cravings of the human body, food. Anybody like some food in here? I mean, imagine you're stuck in a plane, okay? You've been sitting on the tarmac for, I don't know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes or so, and you can't take off yet, and it's supposed to be a dinner flight. But the captain, you know, uh, um, you know uh, comes on and says, you know, there's some kind of problem, please wait a little while. And it ends up being a four or five hour wait, and you're stuck in the plane, and it's like, okay, um, I'm not even sure what's going on. And people are hungry, you're tired, you're irritated, Right? And then uh, uh, the captain's voice, I don't know if I can do it with this mic, the captain's voice comes in. Um, uh, excuse me, uh, sorry for the technical delays, this is your captain speaking. Uh, there is dinner, uh, this was supposed to be a dinner flight, but we've had some problems. There will be some uh, five meals provided uh, at the front of the cockpit for those uh, that come first, it's first come, first serve basis. So if you can uh, make it here, there's five meals for the ones that make it here. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. Uh, what are you going to do to get yourself to the front of that cockpit? How many elbows are you going to throw to get yourself some cold, nasty, tin-foiled, airplane stanky food? Your drive to eat is going to drive you through bodies and blah, get me, get me to what I want to get. And it's going to drive you passionately like a fire under your seat to get that, that airplane food. And my question to us is, do we crave to bring people to God as much as we hunger after a steak? Because that's what Jesus is saying here. You know, my will is, my food is to do the will of God. You know, do we hunger after these things? Do we passionately think about them? Or is it just, nah, nah? Jesus was starving, hungry, and tired and exhausted. As, as the pastor said earlier, he was wearied from his journey. And, and when his disciples asked him if he had anything to eat, he's, he's like, you know what, forget the pita and falafels. My food is to save souls. I got my lunch right here. I just told the woman what living water is. That's my lunch right there. And, and, and here's the thing. That's more fulfilling and it should be more fulfilling for us than a grilled cheese sandwich. It should be us doing the will of God. That should, that should scratch an itch, unlike anything else does, and like any kind of food can do. And my question for us is, do we care about souls this way? Do we care about our coworkers this way? About our family? About our friends? About the neighbors across the street? about the Indian students across the parking lot. I tell you what, my heart burns every morning I come here, on, especially on Sunday mornings. I'm walking to church, and there are just hundreds of Indian students over there who need the gospel, who need the good news. And here we are, just, we just shuffling into our church. Are we hungering to go out there and tell them, hey, there is good news. There is a Jesus. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Then he says, in verse 35, do you not say, 
There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Let me explain that real quick. When he says the fields are white for harvest, he's just saying the fields are ripe for harvest. They're ripe for harvest. And he's saying, you know what, the fields right now, the grain, it won't be ripe for another four months. You're going to have to wait. But the people are ready now. All right? The, the, the grain is going to take a little while, but the people are ready now. And what does he say to them? He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. The people are ready for harvest. And all you got to do is lift up your eyes. And this is the truth that the earth is busting at the seams with people that need to be loved and served and cared and know the good news. And all we got to do is lift up our eyes. But we're too busy, right? We're too busy taking our kids from one soccer practice to the next, trying to finish that project and to turn it in before the deadline. We're too busy. We got our own relationship problems. Not my circus, not my monkeys. I learned that from someone at the church the other day. I'm like, that's cool. I'm using that Sunday. (laughs) And I don't think Jesus wants you to ignore your problems and your life goals. I think a lot of us do need to actually revamp our calendar. I think a lot of us need to sit down with our calendar and say, how does my calendar reflect what God has called me to do in the kingdom of God? I think there's some of us that need to do a major reshift. But then there's some of us here that, God is calling us to lift our eyes while we're living it out, while we're walking the walk of faith, while we're in our workplace, while we're in our hostile work environments, while we're with our families, while we're with our friends. He's asking us to lift our eyes. And we've got to start thinking of how can I be a light in the world? How can I be a salt in this place instead of just having our horse blinders on? How do I tell my neighbor about my small group? How do I invite my coworker to church? He's saying, lift up your eyes. The harvest is ripe. But we're too busy. Imagine you paid a lot of money for your favorite football team. Name out your favorite football team. Yell it out. Okay, Niners. Sounds like we got Niners, Cowboys, Raiders, Dolphins. All right, let's just go with Niners because they got the new fancy shiny stadium and all that stuff. Even though they're not doing very well. Imagine you paid a lot of money for these tickets. All right, you're going to watch a great game and you're psyched and I'm like, all right, let's get off the chain, and the Niners come out, yeah, they're in their gear, they get in their huddle, and they're like, everyone's like, yeah, go Niners, everyone's ready for the game, oh, I love you. <laughs> you know, people just go crazy at these games, and they come here, and you're like the frozen chosen, I mean, come on, what's... And they're huddling, and it's been five minutes, and you're like, all right. They, and, then, and, then, and then you look at the clock, and ten minutes pass. You're like, whoa, okay, uh, I didn't know huddles take ten minutes. I mean, what's, what's going on? Uh, and the, some more time passes, and 30 minutes pass, and they're still in their huddle. Everyone's like, uh, what's, what's going on here? They're still in their huddle. 
45 minutes pass, clock is still ticking, and you're like, what gives? What, what's going on right now? They're, they're in their huddle, and we're supposed to be playing the game right now. Two hours pass, they're in their huddle. They're like, break! And they run back in their locker room, and everyone's like, what just happened here? Church, can I say something this morning? Can I be real with you? We love to huddle. We huddle at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We huddle for our 9 o'clock Sunday school. We huddle at 10.30 in the morning. We huddle for a meeting after church. We huddle again for a meeting about a meeting. You're not giving me responses as good as I'm preaching here. Come on now. We huddle in the middle of the week. We huddle on Saturdays for some tea or some men's event or some whatever event. We huddle all the... We're professional huddlers here. I love huddling and meeting with other Christians. All the while, Jesus has told us, get on the field and play the game. Lift up your eyes. What does that say right there? Everyone say, lift up your eyes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Lift up your eyes. He's saying, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Can we hunger? Like we hunger after some chicken wings. I had dim sum yesterday. Oh, that was so good. So good. Thank you. Jesus broke barriers to love the Samaritan. And that set off a chain reaction that said, sent the woman to her town. She ran to her town and said, come and see. Then Jesus is teaching on the very thing that she's doing. Gathering people. Gathering them to Jesus. Then what happens next? The townspeople believed because of her testimony. You see, the townspeople have gathered at this point. And it says in verse 39, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Studies show that only 2% of church members invite others to church in a given year. I wonder how much lower that is when it comes to sharing the gospel or sharing a testimony. What is your testimony? And who have you shared it with lately? I, I uh, go to the gym a few times a week and um, be honest with you, most of the time, I don't want to be bothered. Right? Don't talk to me. Don't, look, don't even look at me. Let me just do my thing. You know, especially after like a 10-hour meeting with pastor staff. I'm like, I just oh, oh. You know, get to the gym. You know what I'm talking about. You just, just, you know, just, it's me time. Every now and then, I'll get struck by God. And he's like, okay, this time you can do a little more. And so I'll sit in my car in the parking lot. And I'll just say, God... Open a door today. Simple. It's like a three-second prayer. Open a door today, God. 
And I, I'm not kidding you. Pretty much every single time I've said that, something happens that day. Something happens that day, right? Uh, uh, one time I prayed that, walked in, and met with. The, I was I was working out, and I crossed a guy I knew and gym buddy, and somehow we started getting talking about God, spirituality. You know, he's like, you know, I he's like, it's like, Lita, I don't like Christians. It's like, Lita, I, I don't like how Christians in my family tell my kids they're going to hell. I, I don't like how Christians think they're better than everybody else. I don't like how they always want your money. But he said, I, I, but, but Lita, I believe in a God. I'm a spiritual person. You know, and, and I want my kids to be raised believing in a God. And after hearing him and then asking some more, oh, I, tell me more about I'm sorry that happened. Tell me more. And after, after hearing that and asking some more, then I got the opportunity to share my faith. Well, you know, I, I, I'm sorry that you have such bad experiences with Christians. I actually, I'm the same way. I actually hate religion. Um, I love relationship because I believe that we're called into relationship with God. And, and you know, he's changed my life. I got to share my story about how I was a punk kid. I got suspended from schools and fights all the time. How God met me when I was in middle school. And, he, and, he, and when someone was praying for me, somehow I felt the tangible spirit of God fall upon my shoulders. And I started weeping and weeping and weeping. And then when I stopped weeping, I was like, God loves me. He's real. He really does love me. And he fights for me. And, he, and I got to just share my story. I mean, you know, you don't make it long and drawn out. Just, you know, practice, make it quick. I just got to sow a little seed there. Other times I, I met with this other person. Uh, I didn't meet with him, actually. I was just at the gym. And then we started talking. And again, that, that same morning I was praying in my car, opened the door, and he started talking about I was baptized 20 years ago and I haven't set a foot in a church since then. I was like, man, you know, my church is down the street. You can set your foot there anytime. And all it takes really is for us to lift our eyes, right? To be aware that we have a testimony to offer to people, right? To not be afraid and insecure about people saying no or being rejected. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God, right? Hey, to not be afraid. You, you weren't you scared and stopped by a little bit of traffic on your way to your dinner. You know, nothing gets in the way between me and my food, right? A little bit of traffic, a little bit of you know, distraction. I'm still going to get to it, right? We're talking about that kind of ferocity, that kind of top-of-mind awareness. And, 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 and it starts with your testimony, with your invitation and your engagement and you're lifting your eyes. One preacher said, preaching is not something an ordained minister does for 15 minutes on Sundays. Obviously, she has not been to South Bay Community Church because I don't, 15 minutes, I, last time I checked. <laughs> preaching is not something an ordained minister does for 15 minutes on Sundays, but what the whole congregation does all week long. Y'all know Karate Kid? 
So, Daniel, the guy, he's painting these fences, and he's painting them all day long, and it's, you know, he's washing these cars, and eventually the sense, he's getting pissed off, and the sense he's like, okay, fine, let me show you. And then he does all these moves, right? They're like to, the tests of painting fences and washing cars are to help him fight a battle. The tests that you and I go through are not just so that we sit on those experiences and tests. But the tests that you and I go through and the pain, the brushes, and the car wash, and the mundane, and the crazy are for the very purpose of us stepping into a battlefield with a story, with a testimony to show that God is real and living in our lives. The test he puts you through isn't just so that you can go through and sit on your thumbs. The test he brings you through is so that you have a testimony to share with your coworkers, with your friends, with your family. It says in verse 39 that many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. You know, your test became your testimony so you can run to the top of a mountain and say, God is real. He's living in my life. He got me through cancer. He got me through disease. He got me through divorce. He got me through crazy children. He got me through heartache. He got me through relationship problems after relationship problems and money problems and bills. He got me through the highs and lows. And now I got a story to tell. Preaching isn't something I or Pastor Brian or whoever is up here does once a week. It happens every single time you're in your workplace or with your family. Even when you're listening and you show and engage in love and a listening ear and a safe space for people to tell you how they hate Christians, that's still you're loving and representing the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus broke barriers to love the Samaritan woman. And that set off a chain reaction from that The woman then goes to her town and says, come and see, come and see. And so everyone starts huddling and surrounding this Jesus. And then Jesus starts teaching. He says, my food is to do the will of God. And then the townspeople believe because of her testimony. And finally, this is my fifth observation. The townspeople believe after hearing for themselves. In verse 42, it says, They said to the woman, Now get this. This is really important. This is really cool. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? It's no longer because of what you told us. You you brought me to Jesus and I heard for myself. And I know he's a savior of the world. Wow. (laughs) 
And that's what you and I get to do. We get to tell our story to the people we know. There's people we know that Pastor Brian, that the pastors will never meet. But you know them. You talk with them every other day. You see them, pass by them. Have you ever lifted your eyes and said, wow, maybe there's a reason why I know this person besides just swapping Excel sheets? Maybe if I just lift my eyes, there's a reason why we're friends. And once you're able to lift your eyes, pray for a hunger. Pray for a hunger. To hunger after the will of God. Like you hunger after food in the morning when you wake up. And when that happens, make an invitation. You know, hey, come to church. Again, don't worry about the results. They're going to say no, that's fine. You just worry about doing your part. One of the greatest joys I get to do in ministry is to walk alongside people as they give their lives to Christ. Gerald Ashby over here is one of my main partners in crime because he preaches at youth church. And every now and then he's going to give an invitation to those who want to have Jesus in their lives. You know, people stand up. Yes, I do. And then I follow up with them meeting for a baptism. And it just brings me so much joy to think back in the past four years of the people that we've walked through, that we've raised, that we've introduced to Jesus. My mind thinks of Marie Smith and Marcus Smith, Jada Bautista, you know, Jessica Ambrose. My mind thinks of Jeffrey, the NPU student, Chris and Justin Malone and just so many others. And it all started with someone telling them, come and see. Come and see. Come and see this Jesus. Next Sunday is Friend Day. And there's a reason why I'm preaching this more than what I'm preaching. Because we want to pack this house with people so that they can get to know God. Will you go? Will you open your will you lift your eyes and see who God has put you in contact with? I mean, who have you discounted? Think in the back of your mind. Who have you discounted? Oh, not him. Oh, no way. Definitely not her. What? They, they, you're saying the God of the universe who split the Red Sea? The God who raised up people from the dead and healed the blind can't move in your friend's heart? He brought your heart to He, he caused you, you to, to, to live to him. And much of us were in worse shape than the neighbors around us. When he first met us, who will you invite next Sunday for our Friends Sunday? Who will you, what town, what people in your town will you go to and say, hey, come and see?
My last slide. Jesus broke barriers to love the Samaritan. My question for us, will you enter into God's love for you? Because it begins with that. It begins with us entering into the love God has for us. Because without that, we ain't moving nowhere. My second observation is the woman after that, after a chain reaction, told her time to come and see, will you do the same? My third observation, Jesus teaches on food and harvest. Will you hunger for God's will? Will you lift up your eyes to see the countless people he's put you in touch with for the very reason of getting the gospel into hearts? And finally, the townspeople believe because of her testimony, will you share yours? Find ways to say, hey, this week, God did this. And ultimately, townspeople believe after hearing for themselves. They come here into the family of God, get to hear a preached word, and the Spirit of God moves. Who knows what can happen? Who knows how you can affect someone's eternity? Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m., and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.